On today's episode of the Fitness Pain-Free Show, we're going over programming and periodization basics. So why do we care about programming as physical therapists? Well, it's pretty simple. If you periodize, if you use programming principles, you're going to have better outcomes from a strength, hypertrophy, endurance, power perspective. I think the big problem is that it's not really taught in school. And then when you have PTs, especially sports PT graduate, they're like, I know this is important but I don't really know how to do it. So it becomes really confusing. I think the other part is that maybe you do know about programming periodization, but you don't really know how to apply that in a physical therapy setting. So in today's episode, we're gonna break this down. All things programming and periodization. We're gonna be talking about volume. So sets, reps, frequency, intensity. So it's basically how close are you to your one rep max? How far are you from your one rep max? We're going to be discussing RPE, or rate of perceived exertion, as well as reps in reserve. And then we're also going to be talking about rest periods. What is the optimal amount of rest that you need between sets to optimize things like strength, hypertrophy, etc.? We'll be talking about exercise order. So essentially, which exercise should come first? What should be first? What should be second, third, fourth, so on and so forth? And does it matter? We'll be chatting about periodization. We're talking about linear as well as undulating periodization, which I think are the simplest and easiest ones to start with. All of these little things that we can manipulate, all these variables that we can manipulate are existing so that we can improve our outcomes via strength, hypertrophy, power, endurance, all that good stuff that's going to be important for the patients that are in front of us. We'll also chat about the good old SED principle, so specific adaptation to imposed demands. Essentially, your body kind of gets good at whatever you throw at it. And we'll also lastly talk about a needs analysis. We'll also chit chat about a needs analysis. So essentially, if you don't know what your athlete needs, it's really hard to program appropriately for that person. Welcome to the Fitness Pain-Free Show. This is where we help coaches and clinicians like yourself get your patients out of pain and back in the gym where they belong. Before we get going, I do have a freebie. It's an evidence-based guide to programming and periodization. It's a cheat sheet. You know I love to make these cheat sheets. I've taken all of the most important principles of today's lesson. I put them together in a nice PDF give you all the bullet points. This is 100% free. I'll put a link in the show notes in the description. Go ahead and check that out and download it. 100% free. It's going to help you a lot, both as we go through this presentation and later if you want to check back and say, oh, what the heck did Dan say three months ago whenever you need it? So what are the most important principles of programming and periodization? Well, I think one of the most important, especially if you're a beginner, is to try to keep it simple, okay? So I think a lot of physical therapists, there's a sense of elitism. There's the haves and the haves nots, right? So certain physical therapists have really mastered programming and periodization. They use it with their patients and they say it's phenomenal, right? And I got to tell you, it is a good thing and it's definitely worth learning. But I think the other part is that we're physical therapists and our specialty is really getting people out of pain. A lot of the nitty gritty programming and periodization elements are really the domain of the strength conditioning professional. So although I think you should learn it as a physical therapist, and if you are a strength conditioning professional or personal trainer listening to this, yeah, you need to master it. But as physical therapists, it's not our domain, all right? So we're gonna keep this nice and simple because it doesn't have to be complicated. And the majority of folks that I work with are very confused. I wanna make it a little less confusing. The other piece that I wanna say is that there are a lot of ways to get it done. And one of the things I bring up all the time with my students, so if you're a powerlifting fan, you've probably heard of Westside Barbell, okay? So Louis Simmons, rest in peace, phenomenal coach and produced a lot of phenomenal athletes. And he was a phenomenal athlete himself. So lots of world record holders, tremendously strong folks. And if you look at their programming, they did basically three 
really, really challenging sets for both the squat and deadlift per month, largely, right? Now, they did more than that, but what I'm saying is that they used the max effort method, which is essentially working up to one set that's really, really challenging, okay? And then for the squat and the deadlift, this would often be just a good morning. So they weren't actually squatting or deadlifting. They were just doing a good morning, and they're doing it very, very, very heavy for one set three times per month. And you know what? That produced some of the strongest athletes in the world. If you compare this to a lot of programs I'm seeing today where folks are bench pressing four or five days per week, squatting three, four days a week, deadlifting two, three days per week, they're getting incredibly strong too, okay? And we'll talk a little bit about optimal sets and reps for strength, but the other thing I want you to keep in mind is that small tweaks to programming is not necessarily going to make an enormous change with your athletes, okay? So as long as you're following these loosely, keep in mind there's a lot of ways to do this, and you have tremendous athletes that follow these principles and tremendous athletes that doesn't look like they're following evidence-based practice, and that's okay. The other thing I like to think about is the 80-20 rule. So if you start looking through a lot of this research, they'll compare, let's say, low sets versus medium sets versus high sets, they may find that the medium or high sets outperform the low sets, but it's not by that much. So I think the Pareto principle is going to be in place here. So essentially, about 20% of your work is responsible for 80% of the benefit. So if you start to ratchet up things like uh, volume or intensity, does that increase your outcomes? Yes, but I think it's a small amount. The big thing is, are you training? Are you actually squatting and deadlifting, et cetera, et cetera? And if you're doing that, you're getting the majority of the benefits. But if we want to actually optimize things a little more, then we can start to look at some of the training variables. So what is the said principle? I learned this years ago as a young strength conditioning professional, and I think it's one of the most important things to learn. And I think it's one of the most important principles to understand. So the said principle stands for specific adaptations to imposed demands. And basically, it means if you throw something at your body over the course of time, it generally gets better. Hey, do you want your biceps to get bigger? Well, if we do bicep curls, we're probably going to make the biceps grow. It makes sense, okay? The other piece is that we have to think about what the training goals are as well as the rehab goals are for our patients. So things like pain reduction, we're trying to get a pain. We're trying to build hypertrophy. We're looking for strength, power, endurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important that we understand what we're trying to improve. And then we apply the said principle to improve over the course of time, maximize our patient outcomes. So what are the, some of the training goals that we're trying to improve with programming and periodization? So one is physical therapists. I think the big one is just trying to get out of pain. So let's say you're a grandmother and you have low back pain. If you apply some exercise, that's one of those things that will increase your function, maybe increase your strength, but it will also decrease your pain. So if pain is one of the things that you're experiencing or one of your things your patients are experiencing, if we exercise that area, it helps to reduce pain, right? And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but there may be ideal sets, reps, frequencies, volumes that are going to help our patients most get out of pain. So how about hypertrophy? Generally, we think about hypertrophy for, let's say, bodybuilders or NFL linemen. Well, what about you have a patient that has an Achilles repair and now their calf is itty bitty tiny? You need to focus on hypertrophy with these folks, okay? If that's one of your main goals, we can target it. How about strength? Well, post-op ACL reconstruction. We know those quads get incredibly weak. If we know that strength is one of those things we're trying to improve with that athlete, then we can program appropriately. How about power? Well, let's say you have Tommy John surgery, so UCL injury. You have surgery for that, and you want it back to pitching. 
Do we need to be able to produce power in order to throw a ball really fast? Of course. That's one of your goals. Program for it. And lastly, endurance. We're not going to touch on endurance as much in this lesson, but it is very important. So the person that kind of comes to mind is a runner. Let's say you have a runner that has shin splints. So largely we need to get them out of pain, improve the capacity of the lower leg, slowly to get back to them running, okay? Running obviously is endurance activity, so we need to focus on cardiorespiratory endurance. We also need to get those tissues able to handle a low-level impact exercise running for thousands and thousands of repetitions, right? So if endurance is one of our goals, we can obviously utilize different parameters to achieve this. So guys, if you like what you're learning about so far, then I want you to go and check out the Fitness Pain-Free mini course. So I made a mini course. It's absolutely free. That's the next logical step if you want to learn more from me. So in the course, we go over five lessons. That first lesson is how traditional schooling has failed us, right? So schooling is phenomenal from a physical therapy perspective, but doesn't really teach you how to work with high-level athletes in the fitness world, right? Doesn't always teach you how to do the lifts appropriately. Doesn't teach you about progressions and regressions of common lifts within the gym. Doesn't teach you how to program normally, how to write rehab programs or how to write injury prevention programs for these folks. Next thing we go over, seven reasons why people get hurt in the gym, four simple steps to getting your clients out of pain, how to build the career of your dreams and earn the respect of your community. It's all well and good if you know exactly how to work with folks within the gym. But if you can't get these folks through the door on a regular basis, then you're simply not going to be living the dream that you want to because you can't get the patients through the door that you want to work with. Okay, so I'll show you how to do that. And lastly, we'll talk a little bit about the fitness pain-free certification, right? So I'll leave a link in the show notes. I definitely recommend checking this out. Once you sign up for the fitness pain-free mini course, you will be automatically placed in the wait list for the fitness pain-free certification. Now, the fitness pain-free certification is the course, the certification that I wish I had as a new grad that fills in all the gaps in knowledge that you don't get in physical therapy school. So A, you'll gain complete confidence working with injuries in the strength and fitness world. You'll learn optimal technique for both health and performance from myself and some of the best coaches in the world. You'll master programming for rehabilitation and injury prevention. Have fun while earning a whole bunch of physical therapy and physical therapy assistance credits. You have 31.5 of those. You'll also gain NSCA credits as well as CrossFit credits if you need those. This is the equivalent of a university education in working with injuries in the weight room. I really believe that. I've been adding to this thing over the past five or six years. It's massive, a ton of phenomenal information. And lastly, the biggest goal is just to fill your day with the patients you love working with and building the respect and admiration of the communities you love working with. So I'll leave a link in the show notes. Sign up for the Fitness Pain-Free mini course. The certification is open four times per year for one week to enroll into. If you're on the wait list by signing up for the Fitness Pain-Free mini course, I'll alert you when that next enrollment period is open and you can get started. Let's get back to the show now. So guys, that is it for the lesson today, but that is not it for your learning. So when you graduate as a physical therapist, sometimes you're not in your dream job and I get it. It takes a lot of effort to work in the population you want and really look forward to the patients that you see every single day. So I made a lesson for you. It's another fitness pain-free show. It's called Five Steps to Earning the Respect of Your Community and Building the Career of Your Dreams. 
we'll just dive deep on this subject so you can start working with the population that you love. This way, every single Sunday, you won't have the Sunday scaries because you don't want to go into work Monday morning because you got a whole bunch of patients on your panel that you don't feel like working with. Let me show you how to track the population that you love working with. So every single day you love your life, right? And you love your work. So go ahead and click on this link above, get started on that lesson. That is it for today's episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you on the next one. Lastly, thank you, thank you so much for your support. You truly allow me to do what I love for a living. If you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that like button. Comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Am I missing anything? I would love to hear your comments on this. Please subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And if you're listening to the podcast version of this video, please leave me a positive rating and review. It helps me out tremendously. If you want to go that extra step and support me further, please consider subscribing to Fitness Pain-Free Insiders. It's a comprehensive educational resource and toolkit for the fitness and rehab professional. Think Netflix, but for trainers and physical therapists. It's premium content from me. I update this every month. I've been doing it for the past five years. It's an absolute ridiculous amount of information. You've got over 100 webinars, eBooks, and complete guides. You have access to a private Facebook group to have all your questions answered by me. You can decide some upcoming podcast topics. I'd love to answer questions that you have. So you get started for $1 for a week trial. After that, it's $12.99 per month, right? Dirt cheap. It is a no-brainer if you want to try to learn more from me. So I'm going to leave a link in the show notes. You can check that out. You can also head to fitnesspainfree.com, click on the programs link, and click on Fitness Pain Free Insiders Online Library to get started. All right, you won't be disappointed. So writing a good program is all going to come down to a solid needs analysis, okay? So the patient that's in front of you, what do they need? Let's say I have a soccer player that had an ACL reconstruction surgery. Now, what are they trying to get back to? Well, they're probably going to be training five to six days per week. Maybe that's hour and a half, two and a half hours at a time, probably going to have a game or so on the weekends. We know how long the game is. We know what's involved in soccer. So you have to be able to sprint, jog, walk. You have to be able to jump a little bit, kick. It's very important. We know the work to rest ratio. So if you delve into the literature a little bit, you can see exactly how far these athletes are running over the course of the game, how much time they're spending sprinting versus walking versus jogging. And then we can tweak the program to just get it nice and specific for that athlete over the course of time. However, in the early stages of ACL reconstruction surgery, we're not doing agility. We're not jumping around. We're not jogging, right? We're focusing on the basics, and that's improving range of motion, reducing swelling, getting the quads back on board, restoring strength, and then eventually symmetry, right? We need to look good for a hop test. And here's the thing, those are all variables that we can tweak our program to maximize over the course of time. And once we fill all those buckets, right? So range of motion is good. We don't have swelling. Strength is good side to side. We're introducing running, it's going well. We're doing plyometric exercises or hot tests are looking symmetrical. All right, let's introduce some more game time situation stuff. We know the variables we have to tweak from a playing perspective. We can just put this really nice program together based on the needs analysis at every stage of rehab. So obviously two weeks after ACL reconstruction, it's going to look a lot different than three months, six months, nine months, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's important that we do these needs analysis. And we also frequently update these over the course of time just to see if we're actually accomplishing these goals. So I actually just run a needs analysis. It turns out I need you to like this video and subscribe to my channel. You will be a phenomenal athlete, great physical therapist if you do.
So how about in a power lifter, and let's say it's a power lifter, it's a post-op rotator cuff repair. What are the demands of power lifting that the patient has to get back to? Well, for one, they need to be able to bench press, and they probably need to be able to do this multiple days throughout the course of the week. So somewhere between one and maybe four days during the week, we need to be able to tolerate upper body strength training as well as lower body strength training, which is a little less challenge on the rotator cuff, but still important, okay? The other piece is they have to be able to tolerate really, really, really heavy loads. So at the end stages of rehab, we're going to be really concerned with building up strength of the rotator cuff, restoring symmetry between sides, and then very slowly introducing things like barbell lifts, introducing heavier loads, and then introducing speeds. And we can break this down just as we did with the ACL reconstruction example in a soccer player. So A, early on, we have to protect the area. We can't focus on strengthening, but maybe we can do a little bit to hold on to some of that muscle mass and strength. When it's okay to start loading, we start loading. And we know post-op rotator cuff repair patients are going to be extremely weak. You know, lose a lot of muscle mass because we protect that area for so long. We need to be able to program accordingly. What are the right sets? What are the right reps to maximize strength and hypertrophy of the cuff? And over the course of time, we start to introduce things like pressing exercises, probably with dumbbells at first to restore symmetry. And then we start with barbell lifts. And here's the thing. We still have to be a little bit careful with how we press those individuals, right? And at the end, I'm going to give you a little case study of a power lifter, and I'll show you how we can use programming and periodization to do two things. One, get folks out of pain, and two, progress them towards their fitness goals. If you can do those things well, you're going to be a great physical therapist. Your patient's going to love you. So what is the best exercise dosage to get folks out of pain? Well, generally, we need more research on this. Some pathologies, some pain problems have some decent research on this. A few that come to mind are ACL reconstruction surgery. And largely, if you do a little bit more, it tends to be a little bit better than doing a little less. From a low back pain perspective, there's a few studies that show if you have a little bit more exercise, you tend to do a little bit better than less. But largely, folks get better from a pain perspective with a very large variety of different exercises. I think low back pain is one of the best examples. So if you have low back pain, if you do Pilates, or if you do yoga, or if you do strength training, or if you like to maybe walk, or if you like McKenzie exercises, you can do any of those. And largely, they all kind of get you better, right? So I think that as long as you're active, and it depends on the pathology, certainly, we need to follow the evidence for sure. As long as you're active, you're going to make progress from a pain perspective. So I think for newer physical therapists, that becomes frustrating because we want to know what is the best possible dosage for patellofemoral pain or patellar tendinopathy. Maybe we'll know this over the course of time just by doing more research. But what we're learning now, and patellar tendinopathy is one of those kind of fun ones, is that we used to think, oh, you need eccentrics to get better. Oh, isometrics to get better. Oh, heavy, slow loads. Oh, moderate loads. Oh, now light loads with BFR works. There's a lot of ways to do it, okay? And I think what that means is you have a lot of options. You don't have to do something specific, at least when it comes to pain. So what ends up being the solution? How do we choose the best exercises for folks in pain? Well, for one, you just choose exercises that are evidence-based. I think that's the first and most important thing, but choose exercises that are also in line with the patient goals, right? So if you have a patient and they love powerlifting and you give them a bunch of yoga exercises to help them with low back pain, how apt do you think they are to actually do those exercises, right? Probably not so much. They're like, this is stupid. I'm going to go to another physical therapist. But if you have a powerlifter 
that has low back pain and you're like, hey, you know what's going to help you get your back better? It's powerlifting. They're going to be like, what? That's awesome. And I tell you what, they're probably going to be much more likely to do their exercises because if you can give them the exact thing that they're basically coming to you for, right? In the first session, probably going to have to modify their program, but we give them strength training to get them out of back pain. They're going to be ecstatic. Okay. So I think you're going to build a really good therapeutic alliance. If you basically choose movements, A, they're evidence-based, but B, are going to help that athlete work towards their strength and fitness goals. So now you know how to periodize for an athlete that has low back pain, but you still don't know the good exercises to get them out of pain. However, I have a really nice video that's going to show you exactly how to do that. So I want you to go ahead and click a link. I think it's in that corner over there. And you can go over five great exercises for low back pain. I'll see you on that video. If you guys want to check out the references, I know you can't see them right now. They're too tiny. I really delved through the literature on this one. I'm a nerd about this stuff. I love it. If you want to check those out, again, link in the show notes, all right, in the description. Check those out. Leave a comment. If you think any of these studies are stupid, great. Let me know. I want to hear it. And again, thank you. Thank you so much for your support. It's truly folks like you that allow me to do what I love for a living. I really mean that. It's so cool that I get to learn and share and grow as a physical therapist, share the information for you. And because of that, I can support my own career. Awesome. If you want to go that extra step and really support me, hit that like button, leave a comment and subscribe. It helps with the algorithm. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, please consider leaving a five-star review because the podcast is amazing. Plus, it also helps me out tremendously. If you want to take your learning to the next level, I recommend subscribing to Fitness Pain-Free Insiders. It is an online library for strength and fitness professionals who want to master working with injuries in the gym. All this information is updated by me every month for the past five years ago. You can get started for just $1. Great information. Definitely go check it out.